Hello and welcome to the Farm Forum with FCN Glasgow. This week on Farm Forum, Bromby Headaches, Plastic Pitches, Super League Split Entertainment and the man with the most majestic hair in Danish football. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Farm Forum. My name is Mark Collins, I am part of FCN Glasgow and tonight I'm joined by my co-host and good friend Stephen Gilliland. Hello troops. For those of you wondering who we are, we are an FC Northland fan club based here in Glasgow, Scotland. We've been formed since around 2014 now and we've been keen to find a way to discuss all things FCN. And for a while now we've had a social media presence and we've taken a new venture into the land of podcast. And what better way to kick off after a seven-goal thriller in Farham against Bromby. Pre-match, Kasper Ullman made a few changes to the team, Stephen. He brought Andreas Skovgaard back into the team. He'd switched from a back four against Horsens and he went back to his more accustomed back three for the game against Bromby. What was your thoughts on the team just before we go into the match itself? I think we probably look more comfortable with our back three as we've played there played with a back three for, for most of this season and the season before. I think one of the issues we've had since... Patrick has left is that we've not really had a settled back three which I think we'll, we'll talk about a little bit more later when we're talking about the game but I think we've struggled to find a, a set back three which is maybe why we've went to a back four this couple of minutes. I think obviously the absence of Victor Nelson being suspended doesn't help but I think that's why he went to a four against Horsens but I've got to say I was a wee bit surprised he, he brought it back to a, a back three um, given the Nelson suspension but into the game against Bromby and the, ga- the game started relatively end to end and both sides having chances early, early on in the match particularly Bronby um, tested Runerson I think within the first five minutes Hanny Mukhtar had, had a chance touched on the post and it took us a little bit of a while to settle into the game you think? So um, it was pretty end to end for the, I think for the first kind of half an hour um, it was end to end and it kind of set the tone for the rest of the match because it kind of stayed that way Bromby probably looked a little bit more dangerous than we did, particularly through the middle of the park. Felt as if we, we lacked a bit of presence in there, and probably we we were closest to opening deadlock. To be honest, yeah, um, definitely. I think um, the well the, the first chance that I can remember certainly is uh, Matty Jensen wins the ball high up the park. He he, he robs the Bromby midfield. I'm not quite sure who it was, but um, plays a lovely little left foot ball just through the, to Ernest Asante. And to be fair, to Asante makes decent enough connection. Takes a little nick just off the defender coming across. And the goalkeeper makes um, his first great save of the match and uh, tips it over for a corner. But well, all the optimism of the corner it, uh, soon led to disaster about twenty seconds later. Yeah, so um, probably the the vulnerability at our corners seems to be an issue. And you know the ball's out pretty quickly up the other end, and Pookie scores yeah. the standard goal that Pookie seems to score against us. Absolutely, he seems to um, score many against us. Did he get a hat-trick earlier on in the season? I've tried to forget about that game, but I think he got a hat-trick earlier on in the season then at Bromby, but I've got to say the goal was it was, it was pretty disappointing from our point of view. The, it's in the goalkeeper's hands. He, he, he makes one throw out and Jung carries the ball the best part of 60, 70 yards before he's faced by a Northland player and, and he, he plays a simple pop ball in Christensen then just plays Pookie and all of a sudden he's, he's through on Alex obviously you're disappointed with the deflection but 
I think you've got to defend that better. It, it, it didn't really feel like a counter-attack, even though it comes from a corner. At that point, Bromby started to get a real grip on the game. Before you know it, it was it was two. Some sloppy play down our left side this time. The ball back to the edge of the box to Fisker. And to be fair, the guy is a, is a great strike in the bottom corner. You, any questions on defensively? Anything we could do better? Or just you just put that down to a great goal? Um, I, don't, I don't think we get close enough to him in the middle and I think that's a trend probably don't have a big enough presence in there which I only really feel as if we've had when we had Nelson in there for a, for a decent amount of time before he went to centre half I don't feel as if we get close enough to Fisker and that's why he gets the shot away he can't really ask any questions of Alex he's got absolutely no chance but I don't feel as if he should get as open a shot at goal as that it's, um, a, it's a good point you make on Nelson because like, like say I'd actually forgotten about that when he first came into the team he, he came in in a number 6 position if you like um, and he'd done a great job in there obviously Nelson had s- some physicality he's good in the air and I think what, what, what you've got with the, the combination of Jensen and Kofod just now is that, that they're, they're slightly similar in the in the way that they play and, and, and maybe none of them not to sound too critical but none of them are looking to do that that number 6 role that, that Nelson did in there now, I like Nelson at centre half but it's a, it's a good point that you make you wonder whether that's an option in, in games to come just to stiffen the midfield up a little bit but it didn't take us too long to get back into the game and I'll, I'll be honest when the ball gets placed down um, for a free kick maybe what 25 yards from goal you start to bring back memories of Emiliano Marcondes and it, this time it was Matthias Jensen and, and he gets it up and over the wall dips into the bottom corner um, what, what was your thoughts on the free kick uh, question marks on the goalkeeper I'm not really sure that um, the goalkeeper has a great view of it um, I, I think the, the wall is pretty poor um, it actually comes through the wall almost dips extremely quickly uh, and bounces up so I'm not entirely sure doesn't look great for the goalkeeper when you when you watch it, but I'm not entirely sure that, it, that there's any fault at his door. To be honest, I think it, it's more the fact that the wall completely collapses, which just makes it much easier for Jensen to get a ball up and down. Um, I don't know. I, I was looking at the goalkeeper. I think I'd probably want my goalkeeper to do better there. It, it's quite low and into the corner, but he looks he looks more worried about colliding with the post. I think rather than actually getting a hand to hand to it. But uh, great, not taking anything away from Matty Jensen. Great technique to get it up and down and straight back into the game to be honest from there I felt as if we rode our luck a little bit and towards the half time whistle you, you could say Bromby probably the better chances going into half time yeah, Pookie was through on the goalkeeper again and we just seemed to be getting sliced open down the middle um, some decent interchange from Bromby but too easy down the middle again and Pookie's through and it ends up getting blocked a combination of Alex and I think Hansen gets back and makes a block as well and obviously Halimi then has a chance doesn't he down the left hand side hits the post which obviously you're lucky to get away with even the, the rebound as well but from my perspective I don't know about you but I was quite happy in the end to get in half time 2-1 uh, and look to make some changes to, to go at them second half hey, I feel as if everything would be really getting into the final third they looked they were going to score no it was I think, I think to be honest that, that inspired what Casper Oman then done next which was uh, he made two changes at half time it's, it's not really like Oman to make Changes so quickly, but I think he felt he needed addressed, and uh, he brought on Jonathan Amon down the, the left hand side. But he also brought on Mikel Riga, uh, and he switched to back to that back four that we're talking about for the, for the Horsens game. I personally thought that would give us a much better balance, not just from a defensive point of view, but with the three in the middle, it allowed us um, to get a wee bit more control of the game. So, what were your thoughts on Skovgar being the the one that moved out? But I, I think. I'll, I'll be honest with you I think Scott has been really unlucky in terms of um, he's been dropped in and out of the team um, quite often and, and I, I, me personally I, I think he's a better centre half than, than Tiedemann Hansen 
and I think Casper Olmond I think he favours the left right footed balance as opposed to his two best centre halves in my own opinion um, or three best centre half. you've seen it, he did for a while stick Big Ulrich out of the right hand side of a three but he didn't stick with that too long before you've seen uh, Tramberg come back in I can't remember for what game but he came back in at the right hand side again probably with Nelson's suspension but he came back in at the right hand side and then he tried obviously bringing in Hansen again and for me Scofgar's the unlucky one to come off in that situation I'm not entirely sure so um, I definitely think that Scofgar is a better football player than Tiedemann and Tranbear. Um I'm not entirely convinced that he's the better centre half um, certainly not in a two uh, I think he probably suits a three better um, I think Hansen um, is, is the one that has improved the most since he, he, he came into the club um, I think if you look at Skovgar, um, he's probably not had a run of games to to really push on, and I think um, a back three in general we've not really settled on um, on a three, um, which I think um, shows that maybe Casper Hulman isn't ent- entirely sure of yeah, who his three is. No, I, th- I think that's a fair comment. And, and to be fair, uh, one thing I would point out as well is obviously the defence gets quite a bit of criticism, but I think you touched on it well earlier on that. A large part of that is probably to do with protection from midfield. Let's face it, we, we are cavalier going forward. That's how we play. We love to go forward, create loads of chances. But it does leave the three, or if, if it's just two centre-halves and a back four, it does leave them very exposed, regardless of the personnel. It doesn't matter what two it is or what three it is. They are very often left exposed. You've got Barto and many either side who love to go forward again. So again, there's not much protection as far as that goes. So regardless of the personnel we pick, you can't help but feel that sometimes that protection, which is why I felt when he went back to a four against Bromby, you, you feel like a wee bit more covered by the, the, the three in the middle of the park um, as opposed to just being uh, outnumbered in there. Um, so I, I think the, the, the middle of the park is um, and the protection is, is a little bit of an issue and I think it's because um, we have two really gifted players in there and I tell not in terms of Jensen is, is one of the best players in the Superliga um, and I think Cawford has been has been excellent um, but I think he's a very similar player to Jensen um, I think if you look at the teams above us in the Superliga I think they have a player in the middle of the park who is in charge of breaking up play Absolutely. Um, stopping players, stopping things from happening picking up cards um, and you hate playing against them but, but these guys are there for a reason and I think all the best clubs in Europe have them um, I, I think looking at Bronby and you know watched watched a decent bit of their, their cup game today um, and Norgar in the middle of the park is, is, is excellent he's a very good player he's gifted but also does the dirty work yeah absolutely um, and I think Nelson is capable of that we've seen that before he picks up cards um, he, he gets stuck in he's good in the air um, I think we probably need that in there um, and I think that's where a decent amount of the of the give ups we have in the middle of the park come from it's a, it's a good point in terms of the, you see Bromby they play a narrow four in the middle of the yeah. park don't they and just right at the base right just sitting in front there um, they, they've always got that body in, in terms of protection they're very narrow um, so it's, it's definitely something we, we could look at but I'll be honest I think longer term they do see Jensen as a centre half Um probably is the middle part of a three but you, you do wonder if someone like Andres Maxwell was still here whether Jensen's longer term position would be at number six and it would give you a better yeah. balance well I, I, I just think the I think the way we play the expansive football that we play um, I feel as if you need that 
that guy in there I, I think if you don't have that guy in there then it, it does leave you exposed and that's fine because it's entertaining and that, that's why that's a big part of the reason why that we watch Norseland um, but I think you look at all the teams that are sitting above us at the moment and you look at Copenhagen um, and I think they have that player um, even like Alborg have got um, have got him as well what's Alborg isn't it um, hate playing against the guy he picks up loads of cards um, he's a pretty dirty player but he's a guy you would like to see yeah, playing for you absolutely if I, I don't remember the guy's name but I seem to remember it's under Jus in the first game back after the, the break um, Matthias Jensen had a guy just sitting on him all day in that position he just wouldn't let him out of sight yeah. the whole game um, just stopping him playing and that's how teams approach Jensen and I'm not saying that I would like us to change our approach to nullify other teams we need to do what we're good at which is attacking but at the same time um, whilst the defence gets a lot of criticism I do think you can protect him a wee bit more I thought it was evidenced by right at the start of the second half whilst I was saying that I felt that we played better um, and got a better grip of the game uh, let's face it Mensa should finish the game he should put it beyond doubt he's through on Alex and um, he, he puts it over I'm not sure I don't think Alex got a touch on it I'm pretty sure it went out um, for a goal kick um, but that I mean that would be game set match if that goes in so again it's just, just that little bit of protection just in front of them uh, and stop has been so vulnerable um, right down the middle but like I said we, we, we come bounding right back into the game and you know you know, with us we're never out a game I think that's the thing we made a point um, on social media a few months ago now I counted it up um, I've never done it again since but at the point where I did it was something Norseland had gained 33 points or something of that value from losing positions in the last calendar year so when we're 2-1 down at home or 3-1 down at home whatever, whatever the score is you know, or if it's away from home you never rule us out a game and that was evidenced immediately uh, Matthias Jensen plays ball over the top Minnie takes a great touch in his chest goalkeeper comes out and then he just slots it underneath him 3-2 all of a sudden you're getting flashbacks from Silkeborg you're getting flashbacks of games that we've come back we beat Bromby after being one nothing down uh, the last game of last season I think um, so the, the, there's plenty of inspiration there to go on and, and get something out of the game yeah I think um, just a, just a point on Minnie's goal before we kind of move on I, th- I think the finish is, is extremely cute he actually doesn't even put it under him he just puts it around him because the, the goal I think he goes quite hesitant and coming out and then rushes towards the end Minnie just takes a wee touch around him it's a great finish that then leads to the Damgar chance um, oh. which um I don't know if he's unlucky. I don't know if it's a wee bobble or something, or he just gets too good at contact. Oh, blame the, blame the pitch. Blame the pitch. <laughs> uh, we'll go on to the pitch later. Um, but I think you know he, he, he sinks that. We're, we're we're right back in it, and it probably changes the changes the, the way the game looks. He's got to score, hasn't he? I mean, he, yeah. he, he's, he's straight through. Um, you, you do feel a bit unlucky for him. I do think it sets up a little bit, but I think in the end he just gets underneath it too much. But he, he's got lots of options. I mean, he, he could slot it just near post. Um, he could just lift it over the goalkeeper, but um, he actually probably makes too good a contact with it in the end and absolutely blazes it. But it's a brilliant chance. To, and that was 3-3 at that point. I mean, that, that, that's you right back in the game. And rather than looking back for, for a point, maybe when you're... When you're down, you're looking maybe to go and grab all three at that point. And um, not too long later, um, we find ourselves um, conceding the fourth. Again, from my point of view, I, I felt this was really quite sloppy. Alex gets the ball, I think it's a corner, he, he claims it pretty easily. He immediately looks to get on the move, and normally when Alex does that, he looks towards Bartle on the right or many on the left. But this time he actually goes right down the middle. Riga has dropped in to receive the ball, and he doesn't really know that he's actually under a little bit of pressure. Bromby pressing is really high. And he takes a touch, doesn't obviously get a shout that someone right behind him. I think it's Pookie actually that might rob him or maybe Pookie that gets played in eventually. But 
he gets robbed maybe 25 yards from our own goal line Pukki beats a couple of defenders and fouls a shot in which Alex makes a decent save to turn it around from a corner 4-2 all of a sudden and it's a frustrating one because even if you look at it on the replay Hermansen I think it is it scores he, he looks as if he's got all the room in the world to head that in at the back post but actually the only reason that happens is because Ulrich actually is impeded by his own player Kofoda actually ends up bumping into Big Ulrich and stops him getting there you can see it on the replay Big Ulrich has a little bit of look behind him and he spots Hermansen and he just starts to back off as if he's going to try and get him and he bumps into Kofoda which kind of loses his momentum and then He's, he's not too far away from the header in the end, but uh, Hermansen is obviously uh, dominant at the back post there and, and 4-2. And at, at that point, you probably are feeling, I know I mentioned earlier that uh, we're good for comebacks, but at that point, you probably are feeling like, like the game's gone. But uh, it's frustrating. I think when you look at the first and fourth goals, you, you look at them and just think they're so preventable because, like I said, with the, with the first goal, it's our corner and 20 seconds later, we're 1-0 we're down. And, and then with that one, you just give away a cheap corner just by surrendering possession a little bit too easily, too close to your goal. I love playing out from the back. I, I, I like how Norshaland play, but I thought Alex maybe put Rieger under a bit of pressure with that, with that ball. Typical of us, it wasn't too long before we were creating chances again, and, and all of a sudden, Asante, who Ronald seemed to have a personal vendetta to stop from scoring, he made a couple of great saves. And Asante's through, he, to be fair, he does nothing wrong, he makes great great connection with it across the goalkeeper, and not too similar to, dissimilar to his goal just the other week there, but this time it's a little bit higher rather than kind of fizz low like it was against Horsens. But uh, Ronald just makes an instinctive save, throws up a right hand, touches it over for a corner. Yeah, so the uh, the corner comes in. Matthias Jensen, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, and um, Petra gets up um, very well for the header, um, and that's two goals and two games from corners. Of yeah, yeah, I, th- I think well, for the four years supporting Norseland, I, I think I could count corner goals on one hand, and we get two and two. And Nelson's was uh, against Michelin, albeit it takes a little bit of a deflection, but. Um, I don't think I would have been back in Petri for a header. I think other than Jonathan Amon and Minnie, he's the smallest man in the park. But um, it was a great header, to be fair. Yeah, and then there's a really big chance at the oh, uh, at death where um, Amon probably is quite unlucky. I think it's all a bit frantic in the box. Ball breaks to him. He's not far out and just doesn't quite make contact properly. Actually, there's a great clearance on the on, on the line from someone. Um, he gets a wee nick on it, just takes it away. I think you probably count yourself a little bit unlucky there. And I actually thought Amon uh, made a big difference when he came on. Um, I think he's one of those players, he gets the ball at his feet and you just think anything could happen. Uh, it's, it's great to have him back, I've got to say. Um, I think it showed, to be honest, um, on Sunday just how much we've missed him. And that's no discredit to anyone who's tried to fill in the position. I just think he just gives us something that we don't have without him. Especially as it's at the left side of, of the three, whereas Rasmussen... Uh, I like him a lot but he, he struggles to get into the game sometimes because he, he quite clearly would prefer to be in a central position um, which just maybe gives you it makes you a little bit narrow there but I suppose you've always got many bombing down the left as well but I'm, I'm looking forward to him on finishing the season hopefully getting more games because he's, he's an exciting talent he had a chance himself actually the goalkeeper makes a decent save the one you're talking about he just needs to make good connection wasn't to be and it, it felt as if the game was slipping away at that point and that felt like the, the, the last big chance but it's sort of one it was to take for us obviously not getting any three points you, you just can't argue with entertainment value I think that's I've, I've watched two games now outside of Norseland they have been absolutely unbelievable games to watch I, I, I think I put on Twitter about what an advert it was for the Superliga it was Michelin Bromby uh, obviously Bromby he won the game 3-2 and then a 4-3 um, farm. It's absolutely unbelievable the entertainment value um, certainly by comparison to the split entertainment in Scotland 
I think the, the, the split in the Super League is probably better splitting it up into the Championship group and the relegation groups. I think it's worthwhile remembering from this game as well that um, Bromby are on an absolutely outstanding run just now. To put three past them is you expect to win the game if you put three past them. However, they seem to be scoring a lot of goals just now. But the split in comparison to Scotland is, is definitely different. It, it, it's a difficult comparison because I'm sometimes maybe a bit critical of the Scottish one, but we, I just think the Super League gets it right in that it sets up two games, one home, one away, best teams, maybe the competitive aspect of it helps because obviously how close it is especially now between Bromby and Michelin have put a bit, a little bit of distance between themselves and us but the other aspect of it is that it's, it's sort of worrying as it is, Copenhagen are, are right behind us now as well and they've still to come to Farham the last day of the season, that, that game is setting itself up to be a decider as for the other automatic qualification spot for Europe. Not a better way to do it I think just just a point I want to make on the entertainment value, we, t- we touched on this earlier, um, we're obviously quite active on social media and we'd, we'd seen a lot of chat this week and weeks before, I must add it's a pretty common theme that seems to be aimed at SC Norseland but in relation to the plastic pitch, um, people seem to be upset about the quality of it, upset about the standard of play and how it doesn't compare to grass, it's just not an opinion I can get on board with. I, I, I just do not understand where they're coming from, especially we've just went through 15 minutes of a breakdown of a 4-3 game end-to-end, numerous chances above that. I mean, if that's not entertainment value, I don't know what is. I think plastic pitches are just one of those things that it's it's trendy to complain uh, about them. Now, if it's a plastic pitch similar to some of the ones that we have in the, in the Scottish leagues, then I can understand because it's a it's a bobbly surface that but you don't know what the ball's going to do. Um, however, the the pitch at Farham is perfect for football. There are there are no um, there are no complaints. I, I think that are valid apart from the fact that it's made of plastic. That is the only the only possible complaint that people can make. I think if uh, we were ser- serving up turgid football and the teams that came could not play then that would be different um, however that's I've just just watched a 4-3 um, exactly a 4-3 thriller do you know what it's like it's like us going into a Michelin star restaurant tonight and a great meal um, and spending the full time complaining about the tablecloths that, that's that's exactly what it's like um, it is it has no bearing on the game I just I find the comparison to grass really strange because and again, I'm not trying to be critical of these particular clubs, but since we've come back from the split, I've watched Norseland play away at Helsingor on one of the worst surfaces I've ever seen, which is fully grass. Now, you can't tell me players, professionals, fans even want to watch games played on that surface more than they do on plastic. The other aspect, of it, I think, was it, was it Horsens away earlier on in the season, where the amount of sand on that pitch, Carl Bartlett was making sandcastles while somebody was getting down treating, uh, treatment for injury. Um, that's not conducive to a good game of football when you compare it to plastic. I just, I just do not get the argument um, at all. But and again, am I being overcritical here, Stephen? In terms of the the Scottish comparison, I, I, there's plenty of clubs in Scotland who have this for the same reasons. It will be do, to do with weather and the climate. By comparison to Northland, it, it's night and day. Yeah, so I think if it was a plastic pitch that was not in a good condition, then I can understand the complaint. So. Um, the, the one in Scotland that comes to mind anytime I talk about a plastic pitch is, is, is the pitch at Alloa. Um, it is horrendous um, and it's difficult to play football on it. 
Um, whereas I couldn't tell you a time where the, the pitch has reacted weirdly to a ball. The, the ball travels well on it. Um, I, I don't think there, there are any complaints about, about the, the plastic pitch. I just think it's one of those football things where it's easy to complain. It's, it's just not something that I can... I, I feel like when I watch Scottish teams who play on plastic surfaces, maybe Kilmarnock being an obvious example, and maybe I'm accused of being biased here, but I just don't get that. With Northland, we, we've been in Farham four times now. The pitch has progressively got better since our first year, and I don't, I don't view it as the same way that I do that Kilmarnock pitch. It doesn't. I, I don't immediately think, yeah, that's a plastic pitch. I just, and I just, I just don't see the, the argument to be honest. And and one guy who quite clearly has absolutely no problems playing on the plastic pitch is uh, Captain Fantastic Matthias Jensen, a free kick stunner as we spoke about earlier, and another two assists to add to his tally. Yeah, the man with magnificent hair. Um, he's quite clearly um, one of the best players in the in the Superliga, and um, is going to have a very good career in football. Um, the guy has came on leaps and bounds since we first seen him. So, so we first seen him, he scored a goal in his debut. That's right. Um, and he has absolutely taken um, this team with the scruff of the neck, and he looks like every bit a ten million euro player every single week. That really is. Disgraceful. Just, uh, just, just on that really, he added uh, Hanny Mukhtar to the club of people getting mugged off by the Matthias Jensen roulette. I think the club now stands at five this season. Um, started first day of the season at uh, OB. It's, it's just absolutely ridiculous. The guy is an absolute baller, and he, I, I, I think my my biggest worry, but I've probably accepted it, is that we'll we'll see him for the last time on the park in terms of us actually being over to visit. But you've you've got to feel that there's a lot of interest going to be uh, for Matthias in the summer. There's already talk. Again, I don't know whether it's rumour or not, but there was already talk that Ajax have been and watched him at least twice um, that I'd heard of. Uh, do you think that's a viable option for him or do you think he goes somewhere before a big move to Ajax? Um, I think he'll probably go to a higher profile league than, than Ajax, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I had heard that, that Celta Vigo had sent scouts a couple of times to watch him. Get a um, pairing back, get Stano and Jensen in the middle of the park, can't go wrong. Stuff that dreams are made of. Um, <laughs> I think you just look at the, those players that have left. So I, I think you look at someone like Stano. Um, I think Jensen looks um, at his boxing games more than, than I think um, that I think Stano did when he was here. I think it is obvious when you watch us just how good Matthias Jensen is. The thought of him and Stano in the same team is. Um, but I think the, the big thing about them, they complemented each other really well. Um, I, th- I think you look at Jensen and. Uh, his rise to the sort of top or one of the best players in Super League as you mentioned earlier it's kind of came in really a, such a short time scale because really he, he, could, he didn't really have a nailed down position probably until start of spring last year is that is that probably yeah. fair we, we, and him and Stano really started to get a grip in the games you had uh, Donio and Bartson and Marco Andes obviously is, is the kind of front three we went on a great run of form and Largely, you were hoping, obviously, when Stano left, that, that Jensen would, would kick on, and he's done it. He's done exactly that. The Ajax links an, an interesting one for me because they, they've obviously had success in this market before. Um, they've had plenty of not just Scandinavians, but they've had plenty of Danish players playing before. The obvious standout being uh, Christian Eriksen was playing there. I think the boy is it Fisher, Victor Fisher, that's just yeah. going back to Copenhagen. But I think he was in Ajax for a spell. Last shown there's plenty of Danish influence there, which is probably why they're they're attracted to somebody like Jensen. And I don't know much about Ajax central midfield players, but I know that they're a team that 
um, quite often similar to us I suppose have to have to sell players maybe every couple of years just because of the, the level of interest in the, in the quality of player so maybe they've got somebody coming out the door which is why they're looking at Matthias but I think the thing to bear in mind just briefly you touched on Lobotka did we get what five six million euros for Lobotka I think I'm not sure the price was ever announced but that, that was the fee I had in my head you just need to look at what's happened to Lobotka since he's became a regular international with Slovakia. He won, he came third in their Player of the Year, and that that's behind guys like Marek Hamšík and Jan Oblak. I mean, that that that's not to be sniffed at. That is a great achievement for Stano, and he was at Celta Vigo for the best part of seven months, and they offered him a new five-year deal. So I think we we need to be make sure that we get the right value for Jensen. And you wonder whether that value would increase uh, if he was on the plane to Russia this summer. Do you think he's got a good chance, or do you think it's maybe a bit too soon for him? I, I was really surprised that he that he wasn't in the friendly squad. Um, I think uh, the two friendlies recently. What else can you learn about Christian Eriksen? Um, I think Christian Eriksen could probably have done with a rest. Um, he's had a pretty uh, hectic season at Tottenham, and he doesn't get the chance there. So. I think he's definitely good enough to um, to get a spot on there. Danish team seems to be overloaded with players that play abroad, but I would be, be, be delighted to see him there. Well, I look at his namesake. I look at a guy like Mike Jensen, plays for Rosenborg, I think it is. And again, a real tidy player, let's not kid ourselves on. But I just look at Matthias Jensen and just think he's equally as good. And, and Jensen seems to make these squads, so I don't understand why Matthias couldn't either. Um, I think this would be a great time I'm not saying he's going to command a jersey every game in the World Cup but I think this would be a great time to integrate him into the squad we've had players over the years I think Varsons had a sniff Beck had a sniff for a while um, but I, I think Jensen's got as good a chance as any of those players of making international impact if you like um, so I mean, fingers crossed for me he, he gets a seat on the plane that would be absolutely brilliant mainly for us to watch in the summer we're already going to support in Denmark but if we had Matthias Jensen there um, that would be perfect but we're going to have to do without him on Sunday uh, the, the yellow card and he knew it as soon as he makes it was it was one of these professional fouls he, he, I think he tugs back I think it's Hanny Mokhtar actually who would get away from him and he just decides he's taking him out and he instantly knows as soon as the yellow card the, the TV actually went in and replayed him sort of puffing his cheeks out he knew he was suspended for the next game he could spot right away and obviously with it being Bromby away it's a game you want him for so I mean, without Jensen there, what, what do you think the makeup of the team? Does he change shape, or does he does he stay as is? I, I think it's a I think it's a tough one. I, I think we've struggled since Marcondes left, in terms of having a focal point at the at the top of the of the team. I think although Marcondes played a false nine, it was almost a position that was completely created for him as a player, because um, as well as being a false nine, he also led the line properly he covered more ground than any player every single time I see him he was the person that covered the most yeah, ground 13, 14k but the thing is coming off yeah. which is because he was trying to do two jobs at the one time um, and I think since he's left we've struggled a little bit with that um, I think we've shoehorned Rigar in there um, and I think that probably takes away from, from Rigar as a player um, I think he looked much more comfortable and looked like he was involved a lot more when he was deeper um, when he came on at half time he likes um, getting on the ball you can see that with Rigari that, that, that's definitely where he wants to be he wants to be deeper influencing things rather than like you said being the focal point I think it's a great point I don't think we've really had an obvious focal point since Marcus and Barson. I thought Marcondes did an excellent job with it like you said but again Rigar is, is not a step down I'm not talking about necessarily in terms of quality but in terms of wanting to play that role Rigar looks very very natural I thought when we went to a three the second half against Bromby here I, that's the best I've seen him for a while I thought he had a couple of really 
he came in and he had a great debut obviously scoring from that position um, and then I would have said game by game after that he just seemed to fade out of games and he had two particularly poor games I think one of them was in uh, in Copenhagen actually uh, well less said about that game the better and the less said about Federico Santander the better but I think the the position that he's more suited in is, is as you say is, is maybe one back and it's part of the midfield but um, with Jensen being out do you think that's what Dortmund will do on, on, on Sunday? Yeah, I think um, I'm, I'm banned from talking about um, Santander because we'd said that I wasn't going to swear. Um, so I, I probably think that we will suit the second shape better. Um, I'm unsure whether that's what we'll go for. I just think we have um, a little bit of a problem in the middle of the park without putting Rangar in there. I, I think Rangar needs to play um, where Jensen would ordinarily play. But then I suppose you've got Petri that can that can come in as well. Um, Apologies for pronunciation. Um, <laughs> we're not exactly. <laughs> I think ever since that Ufabek Ufabek debate, I don't think anyone expects yeah, much in terms um, of pronunciation. From you know me. who we mean. Um, but I think it's a tough one. I I think he could go both ways. Um, for me, I would definitely um, have him on playing simply because he's even if he's not on the ball, he has people worried. Um, I agree. I I would play him on from the start. Um, I think especially away from home, you're looking at him in the counter. He's absolutely electric. If you had him one side, Asante the other, and you're probably looking at uh, Mikhail Damsgaard in the middle. Um, I think that would be three I'd go for. I, I, w- I would change to the, the 4 3 3 like, like he did second half, to be honest. Um, I know Victor Nelson's back on Sunday. He would definitely be back in my team, but I wouldn't put him in, in the middle of a back three. I would partner him with uh, Big Ulrich and I would go 4 3 3. Let's say, I think a wee bit more protection, especially from home, whether that's Patriot, like you mentioned, yes. Um, Riga and Kofot, that would be my midfield three. And I would go Amon, Damsgaard, and Asante up front. I just think that suits us far better. Than the alternative of a shoehorn in a back three again and just leaving us a bit short in the two. Is, is Baden fit? Is, is he fit it, at the moment? It, it, he's a strange one because he'd it, it, been kind of getting maybe the last 10, last 15 minutes of games. He obviously scored away from home. Um, was that Albok? Was it a 3 nothing game? It's a great finish, to be fair to him. Um, and he'd been getting last kind of ten minutes in games and stuff like that, and I was I was actually starting to maybe call for him as being the focal point that we were just talking about, and maybe as the kind of the head figure of the attack. But the last couple of games, I don't know if it is a fitness thing, but I think the last couple of games he's not been on the bench, so mm. I probably not expect to see him in Sunday. Brombeer, obviously, they're going to be flying, obviously, um, increase their lead at the top and beat us last weekend, and also obviously then just beat Michaland in the cup today, which puts them in the final against Silkeborg, and I'm hesitant to say that I'm supporting them in the sense that I really just want us to secure the spot automatically for European qualification, but if worse comes to worse, then that fourth spot to get us in the playoffs uh, means we, we quite naturally want Bromley to, to, to win the cup. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably stay away from the word supporting, um, but <laughs> probably uh, less sort of... Of two Less than a two easel, so that, that's probably the best way. Uh, thanks for that clarification. That's probably the best way to sum that up. Um, but it's shaping up to be a, a great Sunday. Um, FCN in Bromby, obviously, uh, here in Glasgow, we have a big game, uh, probably that neither myself or Stephen are looking forward to in terms of the old firm game uh, on Sunday. So we are planning to record a podcast, probably a post match podcast, every week. Um, whether we stick to that schedule or not, we're not too sure. but um, go easy on us, it's our first attempt at this and if you have any problems understanding accents etc then 
welcome that feedback um, from anyone or if there's any topics you think uh, you'd like to discuss feel free to get in touch with us there's plenty of ways to contact us we're active on all social media channels we have a Facebook page it's just FCN Glasgow we have a Twitter account which again is at FCN Glasgow individually my Twitter is at Collins underscore 876 and Stephen um, Soulshire 13 there you go follow us all on Twitter and we'll speak to you after hopefully three points against Bromby. And as always, we are in Northland. Northland.